0: Welcome to this week's event on mental health. We are pleased to be joined by our guest speaker, Dr. Darshan Gorji, who is a clinical psychologist, mother of two, and associate for Sick Your Mind. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Penji. Take it away.
1: Thank you, Bhaji, it's really a pleasure to be here. And um, like, it's awesome just looking down at this list of the people who are here and getting a sense of where you guys are all from. And it's like international thunder. it's really awesome. Um, and it really is my pleasure to be here. Um, and I'd really like this session to be as interactive as possible and as useful as possible for you guys. So like, just please give feedback. I've got the text for voice box open or whatever it's called. And um, so like, you know, just feel free to, um, kind of chat on there um and and I'll be kind of just putting some questions out there as well and you know just feel free to unmute and get involved um and so this um this conversation is going to be about mental health um and it's going to be about mental health but from a psyche perspective um because so my my profession is I'm a clinical psychologist um and I work with um a wide range of people from different ages, different backgrounds, different cultures um, who've gone through different struggles. Um, but predominantly now um, I work with the in the Sikh and Punjabi community. Um, and I I've got a private practice, so I see clients who come in um, and, and probably about 90 percent of them are, are Sikh. Um, and then I also work with Secure Your Mind, which is a, a wonderful charity um, that's based here in the, in the UK. Um, and you can check out our website uh, at some point. Um, so, like, this really is my passion. Um, the overlaps between psyche and mental health, um, and the reason I'm so passionate about it is not, not only because you know psychology and mental health is my profession, but you know it's really personally relevant for me in terms of my own journey through life, my ups and downs, um, and just how my kind of relationship with psyche and myself has grown and changed as I've encountered struggles myself, personally. Um, also, the way I work has changed a lot. So whereas um, when I first started out, when I was qualified, I used to use a lot of kind of Western models, which are amazing, and I still incorporate them into my work. But as time's gone on, um, I've really started to incorporate a lot of uh, Sikhi into the into the therapy. Um, and it's, it's very powerful. So I'll be sharing some of that with you guys today. Um, just an overview of what i'm going to talk about and i'd really be happy to be guided by you guys as well in terms of what you want to kind of discuss um, and reflect on um we're just going to start off probably by thinking about mental health um and you know what it is um how common it is um and you know typically how like you know, what are the systems around so i'll be focusing mainly on the UK, but what are the systems around to help people and support them through mental health crises? Um, and then I'll be looking at the kind of Gurmat model of, of suffering and mental health, um, in which I'll be sharing a bit of my personal story. Um, and then I think we're just going to be kind of going on to um, thinking about like Sikhi and our wellness and our well-being um, and and how we can use Sikhi in order to um, support our uh, personal development and um, personal development and growth and and how we can use use Sikhi to kind of manage and deal with challenges and and I'd really like to hear your thoughts as well because I'm on my own personal journey with my own struggles and so it's always great to to share um, share kind of thoughts and advice as well. I definitely don't have all the answers um, so yeah right so let's kind of get started um you know when i say mental health what comes to mind you know um like we've all got kind of our own perceptions of what mental health is based on our experiences some of us may have experienced struggles with our well-being um personally or may have you know been caring for somebody or supporting somebody a friend or family member that's struggled um and I think predominantly like the, the the mental health system in this country operate in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but I think there's a lot of overlap. They operate on this idea that um what's we called the disease model of mental health, which is that mental health is um a disorder, and we have to kind of focus on what's wrong, um, and we need to fix that. So it's seen as a kind of disease that needs to be remedied, right? Um and you know, like. I think historically, it's it seemed as if you know mental health isn't all that common, um, as in it's not the norm. If somebody's struggling with their mental health, there's something, maybe even something wrong with them. Or you know, there's this kind of narrative around um, mental health being something that a few of us experience, um, whereas all of us know now that's not true. You know, we know stats are like one in four of us experience some kind of um, difficulty with our mental health. Um, and, you know, I feel like now it's more the norm as opposed to the exception to struggle. Um, and, you know, Gurbani and Sikhi kind of supports that perception as well. Hana uh, Sahib says, We all experience some kind of suffering or other. It may not fit the particular labels that we've heard that are out there. You know, we've heard all kinds of labels like bipolar, depression, anxiety, um, you know, we may not fit neatly into those categories, um, but we all experience suffering of some kind, right? Um, and, you know, I think what kind of Guru Sahib teaches us is that the, we, we experience suffering because we all have a mind. um And, you know, we'll go into this in a little bit more detail, but, you know, there's this kind of game of life going on, right? Guru Sahib's kind of created this game of life and within it there are players you've got the mind you've got the panjjur um you've got Chitirgubh, you've got Atama, you've got all these players there's this game going on and the mind um has to enter into this body enter into this this playing field and try and and then you've got the opposite team which is the panjjur and they're always kind of kind of swaying the mind from here to there um and then you've got the atman which is that inner voice that says you know man you've got to kind of listen this isn't reality like this world, this illusion that you're clinging on to is causing you suffering um and so like you know gurbani if according to gurbani we are all suffering because we're all playing this game and we've all got to try and find our way through it um so let's kind of go back to thinking about our well-being. Like what do we do when we struggle? Right. Um, so in the Punjabi community, typically um, a lot of us have grown up with these kinds of um, I guess, this kind of conditioning around what, what we should do when we suffer, right? So we've heard these phrases like shirbangi, you know, you you know, man up, you you know, you know, you shouldn't be suffering, you know, suffering equals weakness or Um, So we we kind of learn to repress, we learn to ignore, we learn to distract. um, And the general message is like, don't look at it. You know, if you've got a problem and you're suffering, you've got to just kind of nip it in the bud and get rid of it basically. Um, And I'll share a little bit of my personal story at this point. Um, So I think the first time that I felt that I was really struggling with my mental health was when I was in secondary school, I was about to do my GCSEs. I don't know if you have the same um, qualifications, uh, exams in the US or internationally, but we were, I was around 15 um, years of age. And I felt, I really struggled because I was the only sick um, and I was the only brown person in a school full of Caucasian people. Um, So it was like a private school Um, And I also had the Sikh identity because my parents were Amartari. And so I'd been brought up with that Sikh identity. And um, I felt very conflicted. Uh, I wasn't sure who I was. I was trying to belong at school and then I was living in a completely different world at home. Um, And for me, Sikhi felt a bit like just a a barrier to me experiencing my life, right? So all I saw was rules and regulations and I really didn't connect with it even though I looked like a Sikh at that time. and I really went through a, a big conf- internal conflict uh, and I felt a lot of emptiness, right? So I was like, um, what started to happen was that my peers were doing things like going out with guys and they were experimenting with with alcohol and things like that, And because that was the age, right? Prior to that, it was fine. I'd felt like I'd belonged relatively well, um, but then our paths, mine and my peers' paths started to diverge. And then I was feeling like I was being pulled in two directions. Um, And I actually felt, and my friends were kind of, we were moving away from each other. I started to feel quite lonely um, and just confused. And I I really tried to um, follow their path, actually. I was trying, I was thinking, you know, what path do I follow? So I I tried doing stuff like making myself look different, um, going out with them, um, you know, just, just doing anything that I could to fill this kind of emptiness that started to, develop um, at that point Um, I didn't really know what to do and I didn't feel able to speak to my parents um, didn't feel able to speak to peers Um, and I just at that point I think I started to um, buy into this idea that I've got to just get by I've got to just fill my life up with stuff. So I remember at that point, I was getting really into like going out with my friends, like going shopping. Like, I don't know if that's a thing that you guys have done. But when you're kind of 15, 16, you just kind of go out and go shopping um, or you do, you know, or, you know, just get into fashion or um, get into um, just I think I was just really lost. And I was just trying to fill that emptiness with with stuff, changing myself from the outside and doing things externally. And that was, I think. At the moment that I realized I probably didn't realize it then, but I'm looking back I realized that myself and so many of us we buy into this massive myth right that if you're struggling on the inside, you can do something on the outside to try and kind of bring happiness within you right so um like I can relate to this even now so if if i'm I'm struggling or I'm feeling irritable, I'll reach for something you know I'll reach for comfort food or I'll phone a friend or I'll arrange to meet somebody or I'll, I'll try and kind of, you know, or I'll, I'll take up a new hobby or, you know, I'll, you know, so trying to kind of fill that emptiness with something. Um, and that's really an interesting way of, of coping with internal pain. Um, and, you know, I think what tends to happen is that we don't ever actually sit with that emptiness. We don't sit with that suffering and ask it, you know, what is it here to teach me? Like, because we're not taught to do that. We know, we see all these adverts of like smiling people with the latest designer handbag or like, you know, with the latest sports car or, you know, we're bombarded with this conditioning that actually that the more you have, the better you're going to be. Like if you want to be happy, if you want success, if you want to be, you know, feel empowerment, you've got to, you know, excel at your career or you've got to acquire more stuff. And this is like the biggest myth um, which is you know and, and that happiness comes from the outside right um, and and this is where kind of Sikhi for me comes in hana because at that point when I was a, a teenager and I was just trying so much to fill that emptiness and I was trying to find more friends and then I started delving into Gurbani because my family were Amartari I hadn't really connected with Sikhi at that point but I don't know what led me to do this but I started looking at translations I was so conflicted. I was just looking for a path. I looked into other faiths um, and I, lo- I looked at Sikhi and I just, the, there are some things that really hit me. There's this beautiful Shabbat Miraduk Gurbani, like um, I've, I've grown weary of um, trying to find friends, you know, trying to acquire friends, hoping that somebody, you know, will ease my pain um and that just really hit me because i thought you know what this is truth like this is what i've been doing i've just been trying to fill this emptiness with stuff on the outside and it's not working um and you know i feel like those messages are repeated over and over uh, again in gurbani which is that you you know this this beautiful shabbat that's just got you know you can't experience from um from acquiring wealth. You can't experience, experience Sukh from um, you know, status and power. And so it's just, things started to hit me. I was like, you know what, this is so true. So how do you experience happiness then? And this is where this eternal question of my life, you know, the questioning started. Um, and I guess that was the Atma speaking, right? That quiet little voice that tells you, something's not quite right. Like, you know, the, the one that reminds you that you're suffering. The one that says, "You know, you're suffering in this world in the way that you're living. Um, you've got to, you've got to do something. <laughs> you've got to address this. You've got to connect with your soul." Um, and so, I guess I started to listen to that a little bit. Um, and so, just kind of fast um, forwarding a little bit, um, I think that you know, with the work that I do with clients and the the internal work that I'm doing. Um, I think that the way that I view suffering and stuff that happens around me, you know, because life isn't smooth sailing, like it's, Guru talks about duksuk, and it's constantly up and down, like there'll be something that feels like it's a good life event and something that feels that it's like it's not a good life event, and then we end up going in this up and down cycle for the whole of our lives, where we're just, it's like this Pain, pleasure—you know—stress, pleasure cycle, um, where you know something uplifts us, and then then something brings us down, and we're constantly in that kind of roller coaster of life. And I was like asking these questions, you know. Again, this is probably my Atma saying, you know, is there any way out of this? Like, how do we find peace? And and obviously, in Gurbani, it talks about peace a lot, right? And it talks about the mind, and it um, addresses all of these questions, like you know. Is there such thing as eternal peace? Well, Gurbani says there is. Then how do you access that? Um, And that was the beginning of my search. Um, And so in terms of the relationship to suffering, what I've realized as life's gone on is that whenever I've suffered with something, so there have been various points in my life where I've suffered. Um, um, And by suffering, I mean like struggling with stuff. So like right now, I, you know, so I went through high school and then I found some wonderful good, Um and I felt a bit of a sense of belonging. Um, I felt a bit of peace. And then the time came for me to get married and I, I was married and I'm married to a wonderful man. But we, we had such a tough time in the first, um, I would say, two or three years of marriage. We've been married like 10 years, but marriage was nothing like what I expected. It was really, really tough. Um, and I saw sides to myself that I had never seen before. Um, I was very angry. We had a lot of conflict. Um, and that was that re- I really struggled with that. And then when I had kids, I had to learn to become a mother. At every point of my life where i've I've experienced these challenges, I feel like it's forced me to go deeper into myself um, and kind of peel away those layers of myself, that identity that I've created over time to try and keep me from my pain. So I'm gonna kind of explain that a little bit. What happens is that we end up, you know, because we're trying to fill ourselves and, and you know, um, kind of experience happiness from the external world, right? By acquiring more, um, you kind of end up creating this false identity, right? So this false identity, which is that person that you show up as in the world. And then you've got this other part of you, the one that you have to live with, the one that, you know, when you're on your own and there's nobody else there, um, you know, you're not connected with anyone, you're not on your social media or whatever, it's just you. That one that sits there on their own. And, you know, and, and that, that person typically will, that, that's where all that kind of unhappiness usually is, you know. So when I used to sit with myself, I used to be like, I feel crap. I feel awful. I feel useless. I don't feel good enough. Um, I feel stressed. I, I feel unhappy. I feel lonely. And so what I did again would do something else. You know, I'd get another, you know, I'd, I'd look online for more clothes or um, I'd, I'd make a new friend. You know, I would just that just keep that identity and grow that identity. Um, and, you know, I think that identity is the ego. And um, what happens is through life, we end up, that gap increases and increases, you know, between that real self, that self that feels pain and suffering, and that false identity that we create to protect ourselves from that internal pain, or to keep us away from that, and as that, as that kind of distance grows, you know, um, we start to. I think we feel more dissatisfied with ourselves because we know that. Hang on a minute. When I'm out there, you know, I'm thinking about myself. When I even came into Siki and I was doing Kirtan and I was in Sangat and I was one person at programs and I was another person at home. And, you know, there was that an example of that you know, this discrepancy between who I really am and who I, you know, portray myself as. Um, and, you know, like when something really bad happens, you know, or something really difficult, something that really challenges you, you kind of have to let go of that false identity. So, you know, when I was with my husband at home and we were fighting and then I'd go to a program and do girthan and, you know, feel on top of the world and then I'd come home again and, and be a miserable, you know, <laughs> wife. Um, you know, it was like, and, and then when the conflict got so much, you know, I really, I, you know, I had to address, like, what who am I? Like, who, 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 have, who have I been? And how do I get to the point where I, um, I can deal with that internal conflict? and and that, you know, pain. And that is that is when you start peeling away those layers of that identity. You know, you start to ask yourself, who am I really? Like, am I that Kirtani? Am I that that person that I portray to everybody else? Or am I somebody else? Um, and I feel that, you know, from reading Gurbani, Guru Sahib is very vulnerable with their... With, with where they're at, you know. There's this beautiful Shabbat, and the biker Like Guru Sahib doesn't like hold back in terms of, you know, being authentic with where they're at. And I started to learn that I've got to be, start to become authentic and really sit with myself, sit with that pain, sit with that suffering, and become so familiar with it. Um, and look at those kind of ways of being that I've, uh, you know, ways of living that that i've kind of fallen into you know like we have all these automatic habits and behaviors and emotions that we live by um and obviously kind of that false identity really doesn't allow us to sit with that and to explore it and guru Sahib teaches us like i feel like all the way through gurbani i've learned that you have to actually do that internal cord you have to sit with yourself as you really are and it's only then that you can start to chip away and, and, and ask the questions that need to be asked. Like, how do I heal from this suffering? How do I find peace? And that, that inner cry that happens, you know, like I remember when I was, um, I had um, my son who's now five, but um, I was a new mother. And then two years later, uh, I had my daughter. So there, I had two very young children at home. And I was, I was really, really struggling. Um, uh, there was just so much going on. I was a psychologist at that point, so I have all the tools available. I know everything about, you know, in, in terms of theoretically about mental health and what you should do. But it didn't take away from the fact that I struggled internally, and I really had to face that. Um, and it's only when I, I really started to face that, and, and I started to authentically ask the universe. You know, I didn't even know what god was i mean we i mean i believe in god and i've believed in god but have i really believed in god um you know what does it mean to actually believe, believe in god um but you know an inner cry came out and i was like i need help i really need help please guruji show me the path you know like how can i find this this peace um, and you know at that point for me um i started delving more and more into gurbani and i met some wonderful sangat um, that reminded me like of of who i really am like i'm not this false identity i'm actually a soul and this soul is uh Vaiguru's child so you know they re- they reminded me like that this home on this earth that we have is not my home i've got another i've got a true home you know i've got a true mother and father i've got a true identity um and you know, just even knowing that that I wasn't the, that I'm not the body, that I'm not this identity, that there's something more, um, that I'm something far greater than I could, you know, and that's not me, but because I'm my Atama is, you know, connected to is a is part of Brahmatama, that I have access to this infinite potential and there is the possibility of eternal peace. Um and then I started doing Simran. Um and I really struggled with doing Simran, and this is something, Simran is a tool that I use a lot in my work with clients and in my own personal life. Um, And we do it in different forms. Like if I'm working with non-sick clients, we just use kind of meditation, loads of kinds of meditation, like meditation on the breath, um, body scans, um, and we might even try one if you guys are up for it at some point. Um, But you know, like Guru Sahib says, (inaudible) Simro, Simar, Simar, Sukhbhavu. And I was like, I'm not getting peace from this. This is really frustrating. So I would do Simran, and I wasn't getting peace. And I was really struggling. And the mind would just go into thoughts constantly. And I just couldn't get my mind to sit. Um, and then I don't know what, I think it was that inner cry again. And again, the universe listens. I was blessed with the opportunity to do Sangat and um, to do some training in meditation in, in my um, profession. As a as a psychologist doing some um training in like mindfulness and stuff and doing the two things together just changed something for me um and i started doing simran and like learning about what the jukti is from gurbani putting the attention in the sound um and and the purpose of Sibran, which was to do khorj of the body, go inside the body, you know, this fragmented attention that we have which kind of our thoughts are everywhere. Um, and and trying to kind of, you know, Gurbani talk, tells us to kind of close those nine doors and bring the attention into the body. Gurmukhu hove sulkaya you know, to to cord the body, become a seeker. Um, and then, you know, things started to change. And I started to get moments of peace. Um, and you know for for me that was incredible i was like oh my gosh peace can be cultivated from the inside you know joy can be cultivated from the inside and as soon as you experience that and i'm sure you guys will have experienced um you know some kind of bliss or some peace or something from doing simran or kirtan or reading gurbani and as soon as you experience that then something changes something shifts there's like this parosa that develops, right? Like, you're like, actually, this is true. What the Guru is saying is true because I'm getting peace of mind. Um, and so, like, so my my journey has taken me to this, this point. And um, I've, I feel like I've kind of just ended up talking about myself, <laughs> which I didn't intend to do. Um, but... You know, I'm I'm going to be opening for questions soon, um, if there are any. Um, But just to share that, you know, we are all suffering in some way or some form. And, you know, suffering is the medicine. And, you know, like, I feel like the mental health system doesn't allow for that way of thinking. Because what happens is that when we start to peel away those layers of that false identity, we start to sit with that stuff that's really inside us that pain the guilt the shame the worthlessness the feeling of not being good enough you know we end up going to the doctor and they say gosh well now you've got a mental health problem and it's it's a disease and now we know you know you need to get some you have some medication which is the first line of treatment usually here have some medication you've got some kind of chemical imbalance and now you've got to just take this and and get better but really, that was that is well, that was a powerful moment. That the the, the moment that person realised that actually I'm suffering and this is who I really am. That is the most powerful um, awakening. It it really can be the door. You know, I always I always feel like mental health and spiritual awakening are two sides of the same door. You know, um, and um, so I just wanted to share that narrative of mental health, which is that. Actually, you know, we all struggle with mental health because we all have minds and it really is such an opportunity um, to grow and to discover ourselves and to start to awake, awaken from the illusion that we are caught in, which is that this world that we see around us, this material world is all that there is. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop talking, otherwise I'm, I'm never going to stop. Um, and I'd be really interested to hear any thoughts, um, that you have or questions.
0: Hanji, Benji, uh, so far we have about, uh, 13 questions and, um, okay. if you want, I can read them out for you or you can uh, read them out loud yourself, Benji. They're in the question box. And for okay. the rest of the Sangachi, uh, if you guys would like a link to the anonymous question box, just send one of the several a message. Thank you.
1: Okay um, so I'll read the questions out, I'm just having a look through and it looks really really cool questions. So the first one, how do we balance the guilt of taking medicine for depression with everything we hear in Gurbani about depression not being a thing? So you know um, as, as you know from the, the conversation well the talk that I've just given um, I've talked about how really, really I'm not an advocate of medic- medication um, because I feel that what it does is it just kind of um, puts a like it puts a plaster on the wound. It doesn't really deal with the, the core issue, um, and it and sometimes it doesn't allow us to to sit with the feelings and the diffi- those difficult feelings, those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, because medication kind of dampens those down a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I I would never say to anybody who comes to me that's taking medication that they shouldn't be on it and they shouldn't be taking it. Um, Sometimes the symptoms get so severe and strong and overwhelming um, and we feel so kind of lost with them that, you know, having some medication can take the edge off those symptoms and just allow you to do some work on yourself. So sometimes people will have um, a low dose of medication whilst they're undertaking therapy as well um you know like in Gurbani I don't believe that it says that depression isn't a thing depression is a thing anxiety is a thing they're all forms of that one root root cause of suffering which is that where our minds have kind of got caught in in, in the illusion of maya and they're separated from um it are when we're separated from our root uh our, our we're separated from our true mother and father um So it is a thing and we're all suffering with it (laughs) like we're all you know depressed at some point or other Um, and obviously there's a difference between being down and having severe depression Um, so what happens is that when we become so down and we we don't feel that we have um, a way out um, you know we we overthink to such an extent that the, the kind of of our body and our mind it kind of becomes disrupted so the balance um, and you know, Gurbani talks about that our mind is made of that and our body is made of that and those the, the balance of those elements and things it gets um, it gets kind of uh, yeah, it, the, the, those that's get imbalanced, and and so like even for our physical health, you know, I don't believe it's wrong to take medication for that. Sometimes we need a little bit of um, balance, and then we can start to work on ourselves. I hope that makes sense. Um, okay is there any research in international in intergenerational trauma um, caused by genocide and colonialism from a healthcare and anthropology perspective i'm sure that i don't know actually but there is a lot of research into intergenerational trauma generally speaking um, but it would be really interesting to look into to whether there's anything around the the 1984 the sikhs i don't think there is but i'm sure that it, it is a problem um, and it's something that you know like the, the question is really good because we, we do struggle, we, we hold the trauma of our ancestors um, you know and we can eat, also heal the trauma of our ancestors, there's this beautiful Gurbani. I don't remember the first bit I always remember the bit that says that we can save our ancestors even through coming on this path and and connecting to Vajri. Um, but I think that's definitely something that you know, I'd be interested in exploring further. Um, Thank you for that question. Is it bad to use marijuana for anxiety or depression? Okay, so um, I wouldn't say it's bad. Um, You know, I I think that some people use these drugs to take the edge off their, um, their symptoms in the same way that they use medication. But the problem is that first thing is you're not dealing with the root cause. The second thing is these these drugs, and, and including medication, but but marijuana, they become um, addictive. Um, and you know what they do is they, so when you take a drug, you get this rush of chemicals, you get this dopamine release in your brain, and it makes you feel good and it relieves the pain and suffering for that for that time. But the problem is that the more that we, you know, when we use drugs again and again. Those our dopamine receptors, they become desensitized. And so you need more and more to get that same effect. Um, and and so it's not a sustainable option. Um, and, you know, it's the thing is that Gurbani actually teaches us that there's a drug that we can create inside of us. That's beautiful Shabbat. Again, I, I wish I could remember it. Maybe I should put it up on Seek uh, to the Max. But um, Bhagavad Gabiji talks about. Um, how he goes inside his body, and he um, creates, you know, an intoxicant which is nam amrit amritras within him that relieves all of his pain and suffering in an instant. And so, you know, we've got access to this amazing drug, this amazing internal healing system within us. And until we start stepping away from these external things, you know, again thinking about these external things that kind of it makes us feel as if you know we're you know we're rele- we're experiencing some relief, so we keep on doing it. we keep on doing it again and again, but it doesn't allow us to go into ourselves and cultivate that experience of intoxication from within. Um, okay. why are women expected to do so much emotional labor for men in their lives? That's really interesting. Um, by emotional labor i'm I'm wondering, do you mean that we have to um, that we have to sacrifice so much of ourselves to support our husbands. Um, so, I mean, it, it may, it, you know, in, in a number of ways, we it feels like we have to do that, doesn't it? In terms of, um, I'm thinking about myself being a married woman and the roles that women have to, um, that, they, that they take on, you know? So I'm working, I'm also looking after the children and I do a lot of the household stuff. Um, but I think that that's a cultural expectation Um, and I think the beautiful thing about culture and tradition is that it can change (laughs) Um, and so I think a lot of people are stepping into different roles as husband and wife um, and kind of equalizing things a bit more Um, but I think that question is really interesting because it makes me think of something and it makes me think that, you know, when we're struggling in a situation, right, we tend to look at the external, of what is causing that suffering, right? So what we do is we say, okay, this person is treating me like this, or, you know, this, this person has spoken to me like this, or I'm expected to do this, and that is what's causing my suffering, right? I believe that that really disempowers us. Of course, there are things and situations in life um, that are difficult, you know, and that, that challenge us. But um, we, when we hand over our power to somebody else, so when we say that that person has caused my suffering, I may be going off topic here, but when we say that, we hand over our power and we hand over our ability to heal as well and to cultivate... Joy um, and acceptance, and you know all of those those feelings that will help us to get through life in in a kind of in a happy way, in a balanced way. So we've got to be really kind of careful about how we're kind of handing our power away, um, because we want to get to a point where our minds are not kind of swayed so much by what's happening externally um and that's a process i think we're all trying to you know, that's a path that i think we're all trying to work on and that's that key helps us to walk I Hope that makes some sense um okay how do we gauge when we should seek professional help mental health issues depression mood swings anxiety okay so i think that this varies for everybody Some people feel that when they're struggling, that they can speak to a trusted friend or they can get some support from a trusted family member or somebody. And and simply by kind of speaking about what's going on for them, um, I guess sitting with that discomfort and talking about it and exploring it allows them to start to find some way through it, right? Um, whereas for other people, they feel that either they don't, they don't have those, those family members or friends around them, or they, they you know, or, or the symptoms are getting too severe, that they feel really lost. Um, I think that whenever you feel that when you have that, 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 in, that, that desire or that, that feeling of, look, I I want to reach out to somebody, you know, you should do it. Um, there are so many ways you can reach out. Like you know, there's you, you could go to your GP. You could so many seek helplines out there as well. We've got our own helpline, Seek Your Mind, um, and just simply talking to somebody doesn't mean that you have to go and seek therapy or you have to be, you know, um, so you have to have to commence some kind of mental health treatment. It really just is an opening. It allows you to be heard by somebody. Um, so, for example, our, our helpline that we have with Seek Your Mind, that we offer it every evening um and we have trained volunteers and a lot of what they do is is listen and just reflect back what people are saying. Um, sometimes enough. And then if it's not, we also have various sources of support available, not just within our charity, but you know, that we can signpost people to. And there's a lot out there and it's not all medicalized. Like there are support groups, online ones, you know, there are seminars, there are loads of different kinds of support that you can access and it's worth just going along to to any of these. Um, and just seeing what comes out of it, right? If you get some relief from something, that's amazing and you'll want to go back. Um, so, yeah, I would really recommend that, you know, it, it's always okay to seek professional help. You don't have to be at some kind of certain threshold, like really suffering <laughs> to seek help. Okay. So, question six um, I'm always hesitant to get married because most of the things I know have a lot of anger. I don't know how to talk to them about it and at the same time I'm always so insecure that anything I'm introduced to will always have that anger. I know not everything is like that but I'm having a hard time of letting go of that. How can we talk with our family members about anger and how can we stop projecting our past experiences into the future? Okay that's a a, a really great question. Um, So it sounds like you know, whoever's asked this question has had a really difficult experience of anger, maybe in early life, um, a family environment. And there's this real um, fear of that being repeated in a subsequent relationship, right? And that fear is probably justified. Um, You know, our nervous systems are very good at switching us into this fear mode, what we call fight-flight, um, it thinks that it's trying to help us to keep safe um, and so you know it, it makes us it, it kind of causes this release in cortisol adrenaline um, which are stress hormones and it gets all of these things going going on within us so we end up having kind of um, we, we might find that our heart starts to beat faster sweating shaking start to feel panicky trembling um, and you You know, all of that is part of the fight-flight system. It gets us ready to either fight some kind of threat um, or to run away. And this is a system that was around, you know, when we were cavemen and we had threats like saber-toothed tigers to run away from, right? Um, So our nervous system gets us into fight-flight to try and protect us. So if somebody has grown up with a, a lot of anger or if there's unpredictability or violence or whatever it is, their nervous system will be wired in a certain way. And um, so you will be kind of, it would be easier for you to trip into that kind of fear, fear response. um, If there is anger around you, even if it's not dangerous, right? So that's, I feel like you're in that state where there's, you know, that whenever you meet anybody, immediately there's this kind of alarm system that goes on within you, which is like, stay away, stay away. This could be danger. Um, And so what we need to do, right, for you to move forward and for you to be able to open up and trust somebody else and and form a relationship with somebody else, you know, and trust that person, um, is is you'll have to start working on rewiring that nervous system, right? So um, really, and that's, that is a process, a lifelong process, but, you know, kind of delving into yourself learning about the fight flight system you know googling it looking about you know rewiring nervous system there's loads of techniques breathing meditations um looking for safety cues you know does this is this person actually displaying signs of anger right now like can i see this or is it that you know because i'm in this fear state that that all i can see is that there's possible threat around me so the first thing i would say is to heal yourself Because until you start working on healing yourself nothing outside of you will seem safe and so it it will be really difficult to take that step to trust anybody yeah hope that helps okay Um, a lot of people use drinking for socializing because they think it helps them be more relaxed open or funny is this safe or healthy is it the same thing as self-medicating for social anxiety so, yeah, a lot of people do use it as as a way of self-medicating. A lot of people that I see with social anxiety will say that they have a drink before they go out um, or a couple of drinks just to, to get them opening up a bit more. Um, so, again, what happens is that this this drinking, it causes that dopamine release, switches off our fight-flight system, which, you know, that fear response that I've just mentioned, and then it turns on our relaxation system in our body that floods us with oxytocin which is otherwise known as the love hormone which helps us to feel very relaxed and more able to speak to people and engage um, socially. So you know again it's the same thing that if you're using something external you're not the opportunity is not there to actually cultivate that experience of relaxation and safety and openness from the inside right so you're doing yourself a disservice Um, and again because of those dopamine receptors getting desensitized, you will need more and more and more to feel that same level of relaxation. Um, and obviously, we, we all know about the dangers to our physical and psychological health of, of alcohol use, um, consistent alcohol use. Um, but I think the biggest, the strongest message I want to, to give you is that you can experience that relaxation from the inside, you can create that yourself. You don't need anything external to do that. Um, so just start asking the questions you know st- in, even internally and you will start getting the answers yeah okay does tv make our mind wonder and cause depression if it's in excess so tv and social media and other kinds of like technology um you know i think that the reason why men- one of the reasons why mental health problems are increasing is because of the increase in technology use, social media, television, video games. Because what happens when we're watching TV is that a lot of us use TV as a way of relaxing, don't we? Um, and or or to fight boredom, or just as something to do. Um, and you know what happens with with things like social media and technology and TV is that we end up kind of, um, sorry, where am I going with this? What, you know, it's a, it, what I talked about, the dopamine release also applies here. Um, so, you know, when we're, when we're constantly stimulated by, this te- by technology, so let's take social media, for example, like how many of us scroll through, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, then open emails, then look at WhatsApp. Like, this is the age of distractibility like we have like very short attention spans because of um, the amount of technology in our lives. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, it's no wonder that children in schools are struggling to, um, to study and things. Um, but more than that, you know, like I was saying that you need that additional stimulation to keep yourself feeling good. Right. Once you start using something external, that includes social media. Every time we get a like, we get a little dopamine hit and we feel good. What more likes? And then we're like, you know, trying to do stuff to get more and more lights. And then we realise that oh, we're completely being controlled by this dopamine, by this wanting this chemical release over and over again. And then what happens with ordinary things, like going for a walk or sitting with a friend, they don't make us happy anymore. Um, because there's sort of stimulation there to allow that dopamine to be released. And so we end up in this cycle, where we end up with this thing called anhedonia, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but a, a, a real a state where you're in this kind of very low pleasure, feeling a real lack of pleasure or interest in doing things. Um, and that's a really difficult place to be, right? You're It's low energy, no pleasure. And so then you're needing this constant stimulation. So that's with social media. I think with TV and also social media, it, watching it for long periods of time and constantly, you know, when we're watching things like this, um, I do watch TV, you know, it's not that I don't watch it. But what we have to just be aware of where, where our mind is when we're watching TV. We're usually in autopilot, right? So we're just kind of zoned out a lot of the time, um, which kind of feels relaxing for some people. But, you know, being in that zoned out place means that we're not actually in, we're not conscious, we're not present. Um, and we're, we're not able to make you know, when we're in auto, we're in autopilot all day, usually, you know, if we think about our own lifestyles, right, we wake up in the morning, usually on the same side of bed, come, you know, come out of bed, brush our teeth, do the same things, go to work, see the same people that push the same emotional buttons, we, we've got these kind of this autopilot, you know, and and the end of the day comes, and it's the same thing over and over again. Um, And, you know, within that, zone within that kind of mode of autopilot there's no room for kind of creativity or joy or self-reflection or self-development our brain doesn't change very much day after day we do the same things we live by the same emotions we have the same thoughts 95 percent of the thoughts you had today are the same as the ones you had yesterday And the day before and the day before that and the same with emotions right so we become these beings that live by these emotions thoughts and 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 live in these ways and then you know where we're suffering we're asking like why isn't my life changing right and we spend so much time in autopilot and within that we can't change anything we're just following this program You know, our brains and bodies have become programmed to just do the same thing every day, feel the same way every day, think the same thoughts every day. And the only way that we can really connect, we we can change or we can become conscious is to step out of that autopilot and sit with ourselves and and do some self-reflection. So TV in moderation is fine. Everything in moderation is usually fine. But it's just what is the function of TV? Are you watching it all the time? Are you watching it to zone out? and you know are you living the life that you want really is is an important question we should we it was, I, I ask myself that every day in the morning I'll ask myself you know what is the life I want to live today what is the version of myself that I want to bring into the world today you know what is the highest version of myself that I can be today it Takes a lot of work this self-development stuff <laughs> okay so we've got quite a few questions haven't we um okay, let's keep going for a bit how do you have any suggestions to not have our mind go all over the place? Yeah. Um, yeah, the mind just wonders, isn't it? It does its own thing. It's like its own, own force. And it's, you know, when our mind is thinking about positive things and joyful things, it's great. But the mind doesn't usually stay in that place. It will usually go to the negative more often. You know, and there is a reason for that. We have this negativity bias as human beings. Um, you know, it goes back to the caveman, caveman days when actually it was better to be that caveman who was safe rather than sorry. That was looking out for all of the negative things that could happen. That would see this bush and think it was a saber-toothed tiger, you know, as opposed to a blueberry bush. Um, you know, it was it was better to have this negativity bias. You'd survive more. You know, you, you'd be more likely to survive. Sorry. Um, so we've got this inbuilt negativity bias, and our, our mind just kind of goes off on one whenever it wants. So we've got to train that mind. Um, and you know, I feel like the, the path of Gurbani and Saki is all about understanding the mind, understanding what is taking the mind into thoughts, right? We have these bonds short within us, and the way that they operate is that they bring us thoughts constantly, right? What are you know, thoughts about everything and anything? Um, and that often those those thoughts take us into a lot of suffering and pain, right? So the method, um, there are lots of ways of um, trying to settle the mind, but it takes practice. Um, the first thing probably I would suggest is to notice the mind. So just become like a watcher of the mind. Notice, you know, what what, what the mind does during the day, when it wanders, when it's still, um, and just sit, sit with that mind for a little bit and, and notice. And then you've got to start to settle the mind and how do you do that you've got to bring the mind to a a kind of a point you've got to bring the mind to a point in order for it not to wander uh, you know so some people use the breath some people use a mantra like vahiguru satanam ram allah whatever like whatever your religion whatever your faith you you can use a mantra to be like an anchor you know or the breath so we could even try it for a moment now so if, if you're here, Benji, if you have, or Bhaji, who has asked the question, um, just like take a minute right now to just notice the flow of breath in your body. You might notice it just beneath the nostrils. And just kind of tune into that breath. And what will happen is naturally that the mind will wander perhaps you'll have thoughts like why are we doing this exercise this isn't what I asked or what am I doing tomorrow or you know what did that person say to me and why did they you know whatever the thoughts and just you notice the thoughts and then gently bring your attention back to that breath you know that flow of breath that you can feel just below the nostrils you might be able to feel it or with the rising and falling of the chest just notice that whenever you bring the mind back to the breath there's a bit of peace there and then the mind wanders again and then you bring it back with compassion and then it wanders again and then you bring it back and that's how you train the mind and if you're using the mantra, then you could do it like this so you could chant Guru," and then you could just we'll do it for a minute right what we'll do is we'll, we'll do simran for a minute or for 30 seconds and whenever we notice thoughts. We understand that this is just the game of life. That the children are going to be bringing thoughts, and our job is just to come back to the mantra, right? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? And the sound. Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why? Guru Why Guru Why Guru Why Guru Why Guru So just you know even during that I had thoughts and I would just bring my attention back to the sound again and again and again. It's pretty hard work. But once you experience peace, then you never let go of this technique. Whatever technique you find, whatever method, then you realize. You start, to, you start to get to know the mind and you start to get to know the game. And then, you know, whenever you find your mind wandering into thoughts, you have a method to bring it back. Okay. I hope that helped, Benji. Um, I'm going to just, I probably won't be able to answer all of these, um, but I'm going to just look through and see if there's any that I haven't answered. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry. Please can you share the first Gurbani line? It mentioned duk. Was it Mitar taki Mira duk Was it that one about the friends? or um, If anybody else has any idea, please, please respond to this, Benji. Um, how do you fight disordered anxiety and the guilt of not having sharta bhavana for marriage? How do we grow our sharta and just let go of the anxiety? That's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. So guilt, I always feel like guilt. The, the way I think about guilt is, it's like a rocking horse, right? If you start riding the rocking horse of guilt, you're not moving anywhere. You're stuck. Um, and so, you know, guilt is is an emotion that doesn't help us to move forward, and it doesn't help us to actually take the actions that we need to take or want to take in order to progress personally or with our sikhi. So what we've got to do is notice the guilt when it comes, right? And find a way of releasing that. And one way of doing that is firstly noticing the thoughts and the feeling, sitting with that, you can breathe through it. You can talk to yourself and say, actually, the guilt is going to keep me stuck. And then you can turn the guilt into action, right? So you can recognize that you're feeling guilty. There's a, there's a feeling of guilt there. What is the action that you're going to take? If you want to increase Sharda for Maharaj, how do we do that? So you're asking me that question, haven't you? So I, I should probably answer it. Um, sharda, um, I guess you're meaning like faith. Um, sharda, and I, I don't know how to translate it exactly, but, you know, when we start to... Um, read gurbani i mean you know we, we have very good fortune if we read gurbani we have even greater fortune if we can understand gurbani and read it as a seeker you know right and then we have even greater fortune if we're able to take action and and live according to gurbani right and and that that is like a stage by stage thing for, for some people for some people it it's very easy for them to, to live. Um, Gurbani, but for for myself, for example, um, you know, I've gone through various points in my life where I've been a Sikh and I've had the identity and I've also felt connected to Sikhi, but there'll be times when I don't feel connected at all. Um, and this is and this is where we delve into Gurbani and understand the game because you know, we know from Gurbani that this Janam, this um, Manas Janam, is very, very kimti. it's very precious, right. Like it doesn't come often. Um, and like we know that Sikhi teaches us that we, in order to like make use of this Janam, like we've got to take action and we've got to work on ourselves and um, live in accordance with Gurbani, do Simran and just read more and understand more and delve into Gurbani more. Um, but it takes time, and the fund, the team of the fund, the opposing team. So you've got the mind that's trying to play this game, um, and is trying to walk this path of love. There's two paths. And in Gurbani it says, hai, hukmi You've got two paths. You've got the path of live, and you've got the path of thar. The path of live is the path of love, sant The path that takes us to Waiguru, and you've got the path of falsehood, which takes us away from um, falsehood keeps us within this illusion of Maya, right? So Jord want us to walk the path of Tath, and they're actually, they've been given hukam by Vaigri themselves, that this is your job in the game. And the mind that did receive some training in the mother's womb, Anna, on how to play this game of life, this game of love, has forgotten it. When they come into the world and they become attached to Maya, and the mind the mind forgets, and so we are this manbacha of Vaigru, our minds, right? We're, we're children and we're trying to walk this path and we do get confused and we do get lost and we do feel disconnected from Vaigru sometimes, right? But we have to keep going back to the Guru. And, you know, I was just trying to think of, of um, a Gurbani book, but, Kula um, man samjai gur shabdi. We just have to keep going back to the Guru. And the Guru and Vaiguru, they're they're very, they're all compassionate, right? So we, we we just have to keep going back. And if we if we keep going back and we keep on um, asking for that wisdom, you know, doing Ardas, then Vaiguru, you know, I truly believe that they will show us the way and give us some some support in walking on that path of, of live. I feel like I just went off on a complete tangent but basically guilt is a rocking horse and the moment you notice it the moment it's time to take action as opposed to, to feeling stuck. Okay um 12 in the question 12 is it healthy to use CBD oil as a regular supplement? Um I don't know much about that so I'm going to pass if that's okay. I think my husband, Harbir Singh, he is an osteopath and he's on Instagram, maybe you could ask him that question, (laughs) Um, he has looked into CBD oil and has I think recommended it actually, so um, I'm not sure though, Okay, how to deal with being overly emotional and sensitive, Um, so this is again, I don't know, because being overly emotional, is that because somebody has said, said you're overly emotional? Is it because you've expressed feelings and that doesn't fit with their um, narrative about how you should be as a person? I think that's the first question because emotions are not a bad thing. We need to feel emotions and, so that we can release them. The problem in our community and you know, for many of us is that we don't allow ourselves to experience emotion because we are taught that it's not a good thing um, to, to feel so um, I think just just have a think about that and whether it's somebody else's expectation or your own expectation about how you should be as a person Um, secondly my answer to everything is start to develop a regular um, either meditation practice or start opening up a little bit of a reflective space for yourself five minutes a day where you just pause you turn off your phone you take away any distractions and you just sit with yourself and um maybe just take some breaths and just start connecting with yourself Um, that is the the beginning of any kind of healing journey it's just sitting with yourself and and um asking yourself what you need uh and and how you want to be and who you want to be sorry that was a bit of a quick answer to that sorry about um lgbt people are marginalized, people more inclusive? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like Gurbani, the first thing that Gurbani teaches us is not to do nafret and dubda um, and you know, hold hatred or, or have distinctions. Um, and I think that we have to do that as individuals in order for that to flow out into the communities that we live in. Um, there's a that's a really big topic um and you know um i think that it's it's really awesome that you're raising the question and k- please keep raising it okay um okay when doing simran what should we focus on or think about okay so i think i mentioned this um is sound the is attention so put your attention in the sound and dhyan gurmuk akath is through that that the gurmuk understands the akath katha, which is the, the the story or the, the katha of Vaigru. um so and uh, there's also other uh, shabads as well um sravani rasana soi so listening with the ears chanting with the tongue enshrining it, that is the way to enshrine within the heart so, we focus on the sound of the mantra, Vahe, Guru, Vahe, Guru. And we get to a point where we merge into that sound. Like we are, we, we kind of get lost in that sound, right? And that is so peaceful. Like if you ever do simran long enough to get lost in that sound, it is the most peaceful experience you'll ever have. And then there's a point at which then you stop chanting as well. And your tian goes inside, internally. Um, and 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 that's the beginning of bhakti, really. That when, when the when we're able to bring that fragmented attention into the body, that is the beginning of our um, journey of of bhakti. Hope that answers your question. Does Benji offer online therapy sessions? Yes, I do, and I'm also in touch with uh, some other um, Sikh biblia, um that do offer therapy sessions as well. So just DM me and uh, we can try and uh, hook you up with somebody um a lot of taboo around talking about social issues which sometimes have roots in trauma how can we as a community break the stigma and start being compassionate this is a really great question we need to um but this is something i think seek your mind that organization i'm part of and lots of other organizations are really actively working on um i think raising awareness is a huge thing and that's happening through social media which is great. Um, um, and again, I'm a firm believer that, that this, any kind of change starts from within. So we've just got to like, ask ourselves what we're doing to break this stigma. You know, when a friend comes to us and says, they're struggling, how do we respond? You know, when we hear people talking about, you know, family members talking about a person who's struggling with mental health, how do we respond? Do we kind of step in? Um, and just express another viewpoint um, so yeah I, I firmly believe it starts with the self um, and, and then you know getting involved in any kind of um, initiatives out there via social media that you can um, yeah I hope that helps okay um, I'm at the 18 I'm at the age where I should be looking to get married i'm worried that my past sorry that my past struggles with depression and anxiety will pose some challenges i've healed but i still have suppressed anger and frustration that i'm slowly working through you know it's it is um it is really tough when you're looking to get married and you're worried about what you know the baggage that you have and also the baggage that the other person that that you, ha- you you're going to get married to will have um, and you know i feel like there's this fear that it's going to be an explosion when you come together um, I think if you're healing and you're doing the work, that's amazing. And healing takes time. Um, and, you know, some you know, marriage is often actually um, a, an awesome opportunity to heal even further because you really, <laughs> your husband. Uh, so I'm talking about myself. My husband is like a mirror, right? So whatever I'm, whatever is, whatever I'm like. Is going to show up in that relationship, you know, the truth, that true self, you know, that sometimes remains hidden in the real in the outside world, that cannot remain hidden within marriage. Um, and so it's really an opportunity to work on those things. Um and often being in a loving a relationship with somebody else can be very healing within itself. Love is a very powerful thing. Um, and so um, you know, there's always gonna be fear. Uh, and, you know, I don't think anybody walks into to marriage and feels like, yes, this is going to be fine. I'm in the best position possible to, to have a great marriage. Um, so I think as long as you're doing the work, um, then you're, you're going to be fine. You're, you'll be in a good position to, um, you know, look, look to get married. Yeah. Um, what Gurbani treatment would you give for someone with anxiety? How do I get to the root of it and relieve the pain? So any treatment that I do for anxiety would be based on um, a core part of the work would be meditation and Simran. Um, and I know people can sometimes struggle with that because maybe they haven't had a good experience of doing Simran or meditation, um, or it feels like it won't work. But um, you know, I introduce it very gently um, and slowly and gradually. Um, in terms of Gurbani and delving into that, um, we what I tend to do with people is to really focus on understanding that game of life, you know, who are the key players and how does the mind how does the mind get taken into a place where they are anxious? And so we explore the threagun. Um, you may come across in Gurbani, Rajagun, um, Satagun, Sab Maya. So how does the mind get drawn into this play where it's being pushed around in these different and rajogon is the seat of anxiety right um and so you know that this is the way that i would work so we'd have meditation and simran and then delving into gurbani and understanding the game and the the mind in, in a bit more depth okay next question 20. Many doctors will prescribe medication straight away without even having a conversation with their patients. Why is medication preferred versus trying to sort it out or via by, um, by conversation or talking? Yeah, you're right. Um, first line of treatment sometimes can just be medication. Um, I think that it's a number of things. One may be um, lack of time that doctors have. And this kind of, this system that we have, which it's ends up becoming quite rushed. So doctors will just feel that maybe the easy, the quick option is just, you know, just to give medication. Um, I think that some doctors believe that uh, they have this kind of medical model of mental health, which is that disease is caused by a chemical imbalance, um, which I don't believe at all. And the science doesn't support um, but it's this outdated view, that this narrative that's been around for centuries. Um, and I think some GPs and some professionals still hold that narrative. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably a couple of the reasons. 21, what is the best way to start going to therapy? I think the best way is to contact a few therapists. So have a look online. In the UK, we have a couple of directories. We have Psychology Today. um, We have Counselling Directory. um, And on social media, there are a lot of, um, there's a Sikh, I think there's an South Asian and Punjabi or something therapist directory as well. That's an international one. The best thing to do is to call a few people up and just have a conversation. You'll get a feel for that person. You'll get a, a sense of the way that they work. You have an opportunity to ask questions and from that you will get a sense of whether you're going to feel comfortable talking to a particular person um and i feel that how you feel with somebody overrides professional qualification i think that's the best indication um of you know whether you whether you feel like you're going to be able to be helped by that interaction okay um, so there's loads of questions coming up and for me it's like almost ten thirty. so I'm gonna try and um, maybe rush through if that's all right and skip some sorry if I skip you and you can always dm me or dm seek your mind um by instagram um okay I'm going to move Exercise is one thing that can help help mental health. How strong are its benefits? Exercise is actually a very powerful tool um, because what it does is it regulates your nervous system. Um, it, um, it counteracts the effects of those stress hormones that build up in the body. Um, you know, bearing in mind that our bodies are, only de- are designed to be in a stress state for very short periods of time at a time. But what happens with us is that the stress response remains activated for a really, really long time, and that has a detrimental effect on um, our physiology and our psychology. Um, so that's because we have frontal lobes and we can think a lot about problems. And just by thought alone, we can activate our stress response system. So I'm going to give you an example. If you've got a zebra and it's running, you know, it's in, in, the, in the world and it's running away and it's being chased by a lion, um, the zebra's stress system will be activated while it's being chased. And once it's got to safety um, and the lion is out of sight, that stress response will shut off and the relaxation response will turn on immediately and, and the zebra will be fine until the next predator comes along. Because the zebra doesn't think about what's just happened. It doesn't try and predict whether it's going to happen again. It doesn't worry about what's you know so with, with us we do that so we end up um activating our stress response um over and over for long periods of time and our bodies are just not designed for that so exercise is a, is a really good way of um counteracting again there's an effect of, the, of that stress response um i'd really recommend it okay i'm going to move through How can we teach our children emotional resilience? So the best way of teaching our children is by teaching ourselves. So children, you know, it's, what do they say? What is that quote? It's getting late here, so my mind's getting a bit fuzzy. But um, children do what they see rather than what they're told, right? Um, And so a child learns how to deal with their emotions from observing us and from the way that we um, respond to their emotions. Um, So that's just something to bear in mind and just maybe asking yourself the question, how do I develop emotional resilience in myself? And that will give you part of the answer to your question. Um, The concept of chardikala makes me a more resilient person. Psychological evidence so i don't know if there is any psychological evidence um but for me i mean terdikala maybe translates to um this kind of a state of empowerment and um and also like a, a kind of a, a surrender that whatever happens is in gurus right um and so and gurbani gives us the guarantee that that kind of state is possible through following the teachings um of gurbani and and living gurbani so i don't know about um, psychological evidence i think there is stuff out there as well um that looks at how we can um be in this empowered kind of joyful state, resilient state, and how to cultivate that um, so that there will be stuff out there. Because obviously a lot of people want to experience that. Um, and, and so yeah, have a, have a look o- online as well if there's anything. OK, what A-levels and GCSEs did I pick? Um, GCSEs I don't remember. Um, A-levels I did psychology, sociology, biology, and English okay 28 how do we re- rebuild our attention span um and move away from technology so limiting technology will help um trying to consciously not do too many things at one time you know like every we we usually multitask all the way through our day at the moment like i'm personally working on like what i do when i'm eating so typically i'd be on my phone or i'd be like like, you know, talking or doing 101 things while I'm eating. And at the moment, I've been working on just eating and doing that. So, like, focusing on one thing at a time um, or just having, you know, just becoming conscious of when you're multitasking and your attention is really fragmented and then just just kind of bringing that focus back. Um, And obviously, my favourite, which is Simran. Um, And we know from the science that when we meditate, when we do Simran, we actually increase activity in our frontal lobe, um, which is what we, we can call the planning center of our, um, of our brain. Um, and it, you know that in, when, when that frontal lobe activity is increased, that enhances our attentional um, capabilities. So definitely try meditation. Okay, I'm going to have a look. let's see how do you deal with the feeling of missing out? Yep, so we have this, I think this feeling of missing out has become stronger with social media because we can see everything that other people are doing and that we're not. Um, so uh, I think that the, the, the basic answer to that is really limiting social media use. Um, and, and just, again, it's very important for us to be self-reflecting a lot and asking ourselves what our thoughts and feelings are about right so when we're feeling like we're missing out what is that about is it because you know we're, we're in this habit of filling emptiness with stuff like more activities hobbies um going out with friends um you know we've got to look at that emptiness um and and maybe that that feeling of missing missing out is a sense of well you know maybe I'm I'm who am I without without all of these things and and going to these places and um you know so, so I think focusing on the feeling of emptiness I know I'm waffling right now aren't I because I think it's just getting too late um okay um so I think that I'm going to actually, shall I briefly answer these last questions? I can't resist. Okay. Dementia is growing, particularly um, as people are living longer. Are there any resources available on how we can publicize these challenges across our community? Um, Please contact us at Seek Your Mind, and I will send you any resources that you require. Um, we do have a couple of people who are working in that that area. So um, just, just let me know if we can help with that. Um, 31, when people are very ill and families can't take care of a, a member of family due to poor mental health, is it wrong to put them in a care home? That's a really, really tough dilemma that we some of us will have to face, right? Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question about whether it's wrong or not. Um, I think every circumstance is different Um, you know sometimes it can be very very difficult to provide the support and care that somebody needs within the home Um, I think it's really about intention I think that's where it comes down to what is our intention is it because actually um, we feel that this family member is is really you know is is a bit of a nuisance I don't like that word but you know and it just feels like this is just too much it's we're we're having to be too selfless to do this or is it really that this person is is struggling and um needs more support um but i think we'd have to look at that at an an individual basis but i don't think anything is ever wrong i think uh, maybe that's not the, the right question maybe it's more about um what's what's kind of helpful for that person or yeah maybe Okay, I think I have come to okay. the end of this amethyst. <laughs> Narshan Panji, thank you so much. That was so amazing.
0: I know you influenced the Sangat a lot. Uh, there's so many questions and I really appreciate, even though you being so tired, <laughs> you still answered those last few. So thank you so much. Um, I really hope that you can come back soon and maybe we can try to find a better time uh, so we can take advantage of you not, uh, you know, having to go off to sleep right away after and, and spend more time. But... Like like Darshan Panji said, you guys, uh, d- feel free to DM her or ask her questions. I think uh, Gagarin G. dropped um, your husband's uh, Instagram handle as well for some of those questions. So everybody, you know, go ahead and follow them. And um, yeah, honestly, a big, big thank you to you, Darshan Panji. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciated you being here today. And uh, that, you.
1: yeah, go ahead. Thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, like, we've got to have more of these conversations, right? Like, um, we we all have questions. I have questions and I, I have to speak to people. And, you know, it's great to be able to have a forum. And it's awesome that you guys are creating this forum, this space for people to be able to address these very personal and real issues that they're facing
0: yeah this is a really good space i really i really do want you to come back i think i have so many personal questions for you myself so um probably the question list would have been longer but um yeah please please make sure that you come back Uh, i know you impacted a lot of the sangha today and um if if that's everything um thank you for answering those last few questions i think sanghaji will wrap up the event today Thank you everybody for coming and make sure you please follow uh, Dr. Dashankar and her husband as well on Instagram. And uh, she's opened the space to reach out if any questions were missed. So uh Wahuj Jika Why Wahujiki Fate. Hi Khalsa, Kalsa, Wai Gujiki Fateh.